And we're live. Welcome to Don't Be Coy. I'm your host, Uncle Lou. And today I have the honor, the pleasure, and the utmost appreciation to have with me today, Mr. Jeremy McLemore. Jeremy, how are you doing this evening? Uncle Lou, I'm doing well, man. Pleasure to be here. I feel like I'm in the presence of greatness. I appreciate that, man. How was your weekend and your previous week? Man, so my weekend and previous week was pretty lit, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Got back from the Maldives from our honeymoon. Oh. So that was that was pretty lovely. And I'm still jet lagged too, man. I've been getting up at four in the morning since I've been back. But last weekend, last week was phenomenal, bro. I wouldn't trade that for the world. That's really beautiful. You touched on something really key there. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? So born and raised in Shreveport, Louisiana. I'm a basketball player, going to forever be that. Went to Millsaps College in Jackson, Mississippi to play basketball. I played Alpha, our beloved fraternity there. And then I went to Howard University because I was tired of being around white people at Millsaps day in and day out. Howard, at the time, was the best four years of my life, and, and life has only gotten better since then. Currently, there are two jobs. I've got a lupus drug out right now, and I'm a pharmacist at CVS on the side. I'm your friendly neighborhood uh, black pharmacist because there's not too many of those in the world. That's what I'm doing right now, man. I appreciate that little antidote about that transition from Millsaps to, to Howard University. And even though that's not necessarily the topic of our conversation today, I do that it will pop up in various different aspects in our conversation. So just like a high-level overview, as you know, this is season two of Don't Be Coy, focusing in on moments of transformation. As you mentioned earlier, you just got back from your honeymoon on the Maldives. Wanted to talk with you a little bit today about just that transition of going into uh, holy matrimony. And the focus of this particular season is looking at like past, present, and how we can be most intentional into our future. And wanted to hear okay. a little bit about just your journey into that process. Sure, man. So. I was living, so my first job after college was in California and I was living in San Diego at the time and I was trying real hard to get into the pharmaceutical industry. At the time I was working for Blue Shield in California and I knew a guy who was interviewing with the company. He, he passed my information on and a few weeks later, I'm at orientation for this drug company in Chicago, headquarters is in Chicago. and. My now wife, she was one of the, we'll say eight black people <laughs> in this orientation of it in 50 or so people. And you got, you know, you gravitate towards gravitated. And uh, she, so the funny thing is she actually interviewed and got the job that I interviewed for at first, because it was based in the DC area. And that was the first thing I said to her. I was like, Hey, you know, you took my job, but that was really it. I was just happy to be at this company. And so I really wasn't checking for nobody. I'm just being, that's something that she was so not used to, like somebody not jumping her phone from the first time that they seen her, that got her intrigued in me. I'd say a month later, we have our first like company-wide meeting as new hires who was in Orlando. And over the course of that whole month, we had been talking FaceTime and almost every day, like me still in California, was in the process of moving to Las Vegas. And uh, we get to this hotel in Orlando while this, don't ask me how, man. I don't even remember how I got this information, but I asked him, like, what room she was in because I wanted to send her flowers. This is Valentine's Day weekend. 
So I sent her flowers with a nice little note. And then she called me, Hey, is this you? Did you send it? I was like, dang, do I keep this secret going on longer? Or do I just say, yeah, that was me. It was good. Obviously I chose the latter. And then we've been inseparable. Since I proposed maybe about two years into the relationship. Mainly because we were long distance for the first year. That's really yeah. beautiful, man. I <laughs> I appreciate that story because at the time you were in California and like you were uh, really focused in trying to get into your career. Be honest with you, bro. I don't think I was necessarily ready for a relationship at that time. Sandy, Southern California is SoCal, right? That is what it. And then at the point which I like sent the flowers and stuff and was started talking to her more heavier. I was living in Las Vegas. We had moved into Vegas with one of, one of our frat brothers from Howard. Mm. And so at that time, it, it's interesting. I should have had this too, right? So that orientation where we met, I actually left a couple of days early because I was going on a, like a group trip to Columbia. But it was like, uh, how can I put it? I was her boyfriend but she wasn't my girlfriend with, with a chick i was talking to at the time and um i really was just trying to kick it man like i had no intention of falling in love and being serious and thinking about our future and we and stuff like that it was i don't regret it at all but that definitely wasn't my focus you know when i started uh, when i was at that time in my life like i said i'm happy about it i kind of fell ass backwards to a relationship if that makes sense yeah that makes sense man and I want to dig on that a bit. So let's talk about the prior Jeremy, the non-toxic, but okay. toxic Jeremy, that guy, what was he like? How were you being present within those moments? It was amazing, man. So one of the things I think about too, and in, in hearing your question is like, there's two things at play when it comes to like relationships and how you are and your growth and everything. Like, um, for the purpose of this project, you are who you are and who you're becoming based on the experiences that you've had. Right. Yeah. So it's not a linear thing. Like I think people who matrices, I'm pretty sure that's the word. Like it's, it's you're, you're a, you're not the sum of your years. You're more of tricks of experiences that have different effects on you. Right. So mm -hmm. I was in Mississippi and I don't know, most of my time there, I was with one girl that I had tumultuous back and forth, up and down with. And so at the point which I got to DC and started at Howard, that essentially was like undergrad for me with just more responsibility. Because Millsaps was cool, but it, if you remember, we was always at Jackson State and Tougaloo all the time because our undergrad experience wasn't what most people, you know, what the undergraduate experience is at, a, at an HBCU, which is why I only applied to Howard and Hampton for pharmacy school and ended up choosing Howard. So I get to Howard, DC, chocolate, and being in D.C. is crazy because, side note, my, my wife, she actually was at Howard at the same time as me, but she was an undergrad when I was in grad school. There's so many young Black professionals in D.C. There's also a like, disproportionate racial that for someone cut from the cloth that me or you are cut from, it's a wild time. It can be a crazy time for you if you're not, if you're not disciplined, if you're not focused. So... I would say, to answer your question, I'm, I'm getting to a point here. I definitely took the time to date, talk to different women, experience different women, travel, what, whatever, because I had never really, coming from Shreveport, living in Jackson for three years, mostly focused on school and one girl. That was a whole new 
world for me. Not to mention Howard has 12 different grad schools by itself, but then you also have Georgetown. You got George Washington, the University of Maryland's not too far. George Mason's not too far. University of DC. So you got all of these, these young black professionals who are looking to mingle and looking to date. So that was great for me. And I think by the time that four years was done, then I had a much better idea of, okay, this is, this is who I am in relationships. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. These are my non-negotiables. So that by the time my wife, Rachel came along, what was that? Two years later, after I graduated, it wasn't like one of my good friends said, it, it don't take all day to recognize sunshine. So that was a pretty, it was a pretty easy decision to, to make. I still experience that good decision every day. That's really beautiful. And I really like how you touched on being in that space where, yeah, you're in pharmacy school, but also have an opportunity to learn more about yourself personally. I'm curious around what some of the learning opportunities you got to experience with that. I actually enjoyed being long distance. It sucked. Well, we saw each other maybe during that time, I would say roughly once a month, just because our jobs in those places and halfway in Chicago being in Dallas now. But it was good because one of the things I think about is like when people normally work back home where I'm from, people start dating. They probably move in with each other within two months. They at each other's house every single day in, day out. And I feel for me, I'm not gonna say there's a right or wrong, but like that timeline is so with us being with us being long distance, we, we had more than enough space, say the least. So it's like FaceTime in every day on the phone, but it's like when I wanna go do my I have more than enough space and opportunity to just go kick it, hang with the fellas, hang with people from work and do that. And it makes you focus less on the physical and more on the person. Right? So that when you get together it's okay because we talk so much and it's not just like we shaking each other down and getting this so early in a relationship it creates a different type of like intimacy and and understanding of, of the other person so i i felt like that part was good but like stopping point too so just unofficially after about six months or so started having a conversation like all right what is this gonna look like the next six months, what is this going to look like a year from now? And luckily, again, just while I forever believed in like God and divine intervention, I was trying to get back to the East coast, applying for different roles. And it just so happened to line up perfectly to allow me to move back out there after a year and a half, about two years or so. One, one of the funny stories we talk about all the time, she's the, she goes out with her friends, right? They're gone, they have friends. She's an attractive girl. She gets hit on by guys. And she's, no, I got a man. Oh, where he at? <laughs> Clubs gonna ask questions. Oh, we can't be friends. Oh, he lives in Vegas. Oh, yeah, Vegas. Oh, he doing this, that trip every night. He probably got a stripper with him right now. Then lo and behold, if you actually know me, I'd rather be at home watching anime, eating popcorn than like going to the strip. Also, for people who live in Vegas, like, you only go to the strip if you work there for the most part, or if you got somebody visiting. It's like asking somebody in New York, how often do you go to the Statue of Liberty? It's yeah. like, it's a tourist attraction. I look back fondly on the long distance part of our relationship, just because it, we both like to travel. It provided opportunities for that, but it also allowed us to focus on our careers with pharmaceutical sales reps at the time. 
and excel in that while also having somebody who does the exact same job that you do, who understands your schedule and what you're doing every day. And we will always have that to connect on and, and be able to talk about in addition to just getting to know that person. And of course, the relationship going as it would minus the frequency of the physical relationship that you see in non-long distance relationships. I'm curious, mm -hmm. like when you made that transition to back to the East Coast and you moved living in DC, what was that kind of transition like for you? Like, so the thing is, I'm, I'm still paying off student loans. I'm a very frugal person, but just in the terms of like a young single dude, like not married, living with a family of five is not what time you got the kids, like fighting over resources, they eating all your food. It's just, I, I outgrew it real fast. And so I actually moved in with my wife and her best friend, her roommate, they had a two bedroom, two baths in Alexandria, Virginia. So right across the water from DC. And I would say I was living with them for maybe a month. And even that just got, it was cool. And love her best friend to death. She was the maid of honor in our wedding, but it's been the best for me. This is still y'all's joint. Like I don't have a parking space. I, I don't have a designated for myself. And so it was during that time, we actually just decided to coach. We got a place together. I appreciated this story and the development of Jeremy and Rachel, how y'all met, <laughs> how y'all got to this point. I'm curious, what does right now look like? I can tell that within the space that you are in right now, the seeds that you planted early on are definitely growing. The trees are bearing fruit. How does that help propel the goals that you have or the ambitions that you want to pursue to? Man, so I'm just thinking about your original question, like what does right now look like? And I'm lucky that we live together because we actually have a lot going on right now. So she just got done doing a, like an internal marketing rotation at her pharmaceutical company. And she's actually in the process of looking for like her next opportunity, whether that be leadership, a promotion, whatever. So she's been turned, turned up, excuse me, turned up at work like the last three to four months or so. And then for me, let me do both of us. So both of us, we're actually getting a cat next week. If you can picture that. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> so neither, man. Like I'm, yeah, this is going to be completely new territory, but you know, she's working on her next role. We're uh, getting a cat next week. And then I've got the two jobs going for the representation purposes, but also the make sure we stay afloat because we're in the process like the you and you'll get here too very soon man but like the wedding post honeymoon mm. when all the all the uh deposits and stuff uh, month of november and so it was like yo i'm looking at my account i'm like yo i see some red like every five minutes so like a deduction <laughs> they taking some for chairs they taking some for my installments they like they it's crazy man and so then you're looking at your account like Yo, I gotta go to work. I have no option, right? And I say that embellishing, not that I was running around here broke or nothing like that, but it's just, I to the lower end of the threshold that I like to stay at for my account. And so I need some more cushion. Let me, let me go to work, right? That's one of the greatest things my mom taught me, how to go get a bag. So we got a lot right now as far as just trying to get back to the baseline as far as people. I, I like having things on, on autopilot, right? Like I know what my hours be. I know what I'm doing a month out, just trying to get back to normal. That makes sense. If there is a normal, 
but I'm looking forward to those changes though, man. She's been working hard and expecting this promotion for some time. And I, and I'm, I'm sure she's due for a change in her career at some point in the next, in the next quarter or two, but between being a cat parent and low and steady investing, man, kind of what I'm focused on. I like how you said that there, like back to baseline, because I don't necessarily think that that's a lot of, that's something that a lot of people think about when you're getting back to that baseline. It's really beautiful. You got that opportunity to recognize the grind, the ambition and choosing that partner. And it, at the same time, you get the same opportunity to keep the, the momentum going. And so it's really beautiful to see two people pursuing whatever they want to do and supporting each other within that journey. So my question mm -hmm. is. What does that support look like for the both of you all while you're trying to get back to baseline? Predators, bro, it's not always pretty. It's, it's not always a, a cotton candy, gumdrops conversation. But when you have two people who are in it for the right reason and two people who know how to communicate, not only know how to communicate, but also know how to communicate in a way that's best for the other person. It, it doesn't feel as much like work as, as some people make it seem. And just talking about just getting back to baseline. And I feel like get you off of baseline is just months leading up to a wedding. It's been so much money and just self. And you got to be on like all the time. It feels. And especially in our situation where we went from destination wedding in Cancun. So we were there like maybe a Wednesday through Monday, came back to DC for one day and then left for the Maldives the following Wednesday, right after that. And getting back home, it was just like, we, we got back home two days ago, man. Like I'm still, I'm still jet lagged. You got to have those conversations about, I last three months, every time I look up, I'm spending here. Like, this is what I need to, to be happy and to be at peace. And here's, you can help me and here's how I want to help you. And just a, a lot of that, right? It's a lot of intentional and sometimes self-lit conversation. There's some sacrifice on both ways, but. Again, because we're in it for the right reasons, I mean, we're married at this point. We got into it one time, I'm pretty small. And then it was the first time she explained to me, like, why she responds to certain things that I do or say a certain way. And she was just like, look, I'm upset because I feel that I've made you, Jeremy, upset. And I don't like that. I don't want you to be upset, but I also don't want to be the reason that caused it. And that makes me feel this way. And in that relatively short log, I'm just thinking back, dang, that situation five years ago, or that situation with this ex or that ex turned into a fight, an argument, a breakup, the reason you, these chicks die here no more. And it's, damn, this is what communication feels like. And this is what a healthy argument relationship sounds and feels like, right? So. Mm -hmm. The idea is that you want to just have more of that and, and, and continue that and, and build on that, those skills, so that inevitably these disagreements and arguments, that, you know, discrepancies are going. You got the tools to handle that pretty effectively when you're with the right person and you got two people who are in it for each other as much as they're in it for them. While you were saying all that, like, it made me reflect back to something that you said earlier about individuals are not necessarily based upon like a timeline perspective linear, but more so around a matrix of experiences and listening to the matrix of experiences that you had, 
you had the opportunity to be essentially like bi-coastal, get a lot of these very different types of experiences within relationships. So I'm curious around how you aim that kind of communication to the point of where you see the benefits of it today. Good question. I'll say I probably was a little bit further along with it than she was, but I think it's one of the things it took her saying that I was very genuine about when I would be very forward about communicating with her and showing her that, Hey, look, this is a safe place. Mm. Like you can say what you want and how you feel without fear of retaliation. Again, I go, just going back to those experiences through, through the course of our relationship, I've learned that there's, she's been in, in relationships and situations in her past where she wasn't really invited to, to communicate or express herself effectively. And so when you come into a situation where at the time we got together, a person like me, where I don't really like the argument. So it's like, if I notice you're in a mood or rolling your eyes, you're upset, I'm like, Hey, what, what did I do? And it, it may come across as like blunt or direct, but it's listen, I, you clearly feel some type of, can we go ahead and hash this out? So I don't have to, my, my, the rest of my day wondering what I did wrong, or you don't have to spend the rest of the day in the mood. Yeah. Believe it or not, bro. Like that's not normal for a lot of people. A lot of people <laughs> don't really learn that until God knows when. And I would say realistically, like I probably didn't do, it was, I, and I got to say his name. One of my boys, uh, two of my boys, Bruce and, and Tim White, two of my teammates from undergrad, like they kind of introduced me to just like communicate and, and, and say how you feel. So like, aside for another day, like, but like, man, we got to talk about our feelings with each other. So the shit is magical when we finally get around to it. But this is probably, I would say there was one relationship in the past where, you know, when I first started, like, getting the hang when I first started trying it like my marriage now in relationship I'm currently in I feel like I've damn near mastered it I'm not perfect by any stretch but I feel like this is definitely the best I've ever communicated with a significant other to date I appreciate that vulnerability that you shared there that first exposure of communicating how you feel and like sharing how you feel as a black man is that something that you work on more yourself so that you show up better within the relationship to communicate? Good question, man. So a few things. I think historically, I definitely had been like a bottler, feeling like you don't have anybody to talk to or yeah, feel like you got to be hard and, and not share it with nobody. But I think it's important to like actually so things happen that, that you don't like, that make you feel bad, that make you feel not good, right? Taking the time to sit and reflect and actually ask yourself, why do I dislike that? What is it about what this person did, said, that made me have this response? Am I overreacting? But just actually having a conversation as opposed to knee-jerk reaction and flying off at the mouth or, you know, defense mechanisms, coping mechanisms, and doing whatever you've done in the past that has led you to the less than desirable outcome situation. So just actually asking yourself, like, why do I feel the way I do about that? And I feel like that's something that we don't, we're not really taught to do, to be honest. And so outside of 
myself, I'll use the example of my, my little nephew, they're 12 and eight now, as they've grown up and me being out here in the DC area to grow up with them, or see them grow up rather. When kids do stupid shit, they say stupid shit, they do things impulsively. And uh, I like practice parenting on them and just sitting down and asking them like, hey, why did you do that? Or why did you say that? Or why do you feel this way? And just forcing them to actually self-reflect. So as opposed to, oh, my, my brother took my, my Xbox controller and, and I'm mad and I hit him. Just actually asking yourself, okay, are you mad at the, at the controller because you can't play it? Or are you mad he has something that you want? Like, what is the actual motive? What's the actual reason? And you actually see a difference in kids when you make them just sit down, stop and think about what they do and say and how they react. And that's, you know, one thing I'm going to try to bring into parenthood or just different aspects of my life and just stopping to think and self-reflect, man. I think that, that was probably the biggest development for me as far as asking the part of your question about just working on uh, and how you show up in relationships, just taking the time to stop thinking. We've done marriage counseling too. And one of the, uh, one of the things that stuck with me for the most part, man, for the longest was just like, you got to, and do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? Because hmm. I had a professor of mine tell me, and she almost failed me. And we had our little performance review at the end, and she was like, dude, you, you hate being wrong. Like, you have to be right all the time. And that was the first time anybody had sat down and just told me that straight up. And so, again, situations like that, it makes you think, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? And so with, with you know, me and Rachel, there are times where I have to internally have that conversation with myself, like, I, even if I know I'm right, I can probably, I know I have a hill to stand on, a hill to die on. For the purpose of peace in this house, I'm going to take the low road. Yeah. And I'm going to not feel prideful about it. Yeah. That's really beautiful. And I, that's a really good segue into this last part of this conversation, man. Around like just the self-reflection that you've done over the years, the experiences you've had yeah. in past relationships, the growth that you've had, not only within yourself, but even with the experiences that you presently get to have with your wife, what is it that you're looking forward to within the relationship as far as high points based upon that kind of self-reflection that you've done? Man, I think I'm looking forward to the most. What this growth is going to look like at different parts of our lives when we are different people. Mm. So... There's this, whatever the, there's this Medea movie, man. And it's like a Medea homecoming or Medea graduation, something like that. And typically I don't really be rocking with Tyler Perry movies like that, but there's one part where Medea is like, God, people marriages don't be, come along the lines of people marriages don't last because they only say yes to one person. They don't understand that they're saying yes to multiple people. And what I took from that was you're saying yes to this person as they are right now, like I do, you're saying yes to this person as they are now, you're saying yes to this person when they are pregnant and they're hormonal and acting out on you, you're saying yes to this person when they're at their lows, you're saying yes to this person when they're at the most ecstasy, bliss, high happiness that they're going to be, you're saying yes to this person when they have negative thoughts about you, you're saying yes to this person in all these different phases of throughout y'all's life. And so to answer your question, what I'm looking forward to is like, what is this, what is this happiness and this peace going to look like? You know, Jeremy at 35 
for Jeremy at 40, for Jeremy at, at 50, 60, and in the, in the golden years. And because I feel I got a, I got a good one, I'm looking forward to, dang, this is lit now. What is this going to be like when we got more money and kids and we living in a bigger house and different careers? What is this going to look like? I don't know, but I'm excited. It's true. Whenever you say yes to that person, the person that you're meeting right now or the person that you're meeting with over the period that y'all been together, obviously that person has a whole life of experiences that they had before. When you say yes, you're saying yes to not only that person today, but then also that person in the future. And I think that it's really beautiful and like really and truthfully just shows the growth in you to recognize not only that particular moment, but also to say yes to that person and realize that, hey, I love you for today and I love you for the future. The question that I want to ask is for you with Rachel, what was that moment when you realized for everything that I know about her now, for everything that I've learned about her, I look forward to learning who she will be in the future. And I got to make sure I'm going to be a part of that. Man, it, it, so it wasn't, it wasn't one part for me because I was still living in Vegas at the time. And I can't remember how long, but let's say a year. Just for the hell of it. A year into it, man. And I had a damn moment. And I feel like most guys who are married then, it's like, you get to a point where it's like, damn, this motherfucker really follows. <laughs> And again, it wasn't like one thing. It was just like, I legit looked up and been in a relationship with this woman a year plus. And it's, at that point, we're both in the longest relationship that either of us has ever been in. And it's, yeah, like this could really be life. We don't have these crazy swings of, of arguments and highs and lows and stuff. We, we get it like this. You, you start, you just get a point, get to a point where you just recognize that there are so many positives, whatever negatives exist you're willing to accept those and, and work on those because you recognize that I, my, my, my life is good. And my life is what a powerful moment, man, where you actually come to the point with where you're like, yeah, I got to leave certain things alone. It's going to jeopardize what I have here. And you, my wife and our life is more important than these things that I previously cared about and, and value. Yeah. You get to a point where you just recognize that. So maybe you have some change into it. Yeah, man, that's really beautiful. And I appreciate that. It's a really great bow to just tie in for this whole entire conversation. I really appreciate just you taking out the moment just to sit down and share your journey with me. It's It's been definitely something that has been a learning, but then also has been very reflective for me as well. I just want to say thank you for, well, for taking out that time, man. Happy to have brother. Before I let you go, man, on every episode, I have a series of lightning questions, if you will. And then I'm going to let you get back okay. to the rest of your evening, man. I'm done. I'm ready. Sounds good. Do you prefer texting, talking, or video chats? I'm going to say video chat on the phone, then texting. But I like texting because I just feel like people text differently than they talk for the most part. I'm much funnier via text than I am on the phone, but I prefer video chat. I just think it's good to see people. It's like talking on the phone, but better because they're it's like they're right in front of you. What or who inspires you and why? My, my mom inspires me. We're not the greatest resources, 
she created so much. Continue to inspire me with being a lifelong learner and always wanting to do more for herself, but also for other people at every stage of her life. And that's something I hope they love that. And then lastly, on a scale from one to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets and why? I'm going to say a six because I'm not going to blatantly come out and tell nobody, but I'm going to come close to the line if it's some juicy shit. But not to the, but I, but you will never be able to trace, if, if there's a leak, it will never be my fault and you will never be able to trace it to me. But I play the line sometimes depending on who it is. Man, once again, I really appreciate you being on the show, man. And I hope you have a great rest of your evening and a beautiful future with you and your wife. Hey, pretty appreciate you, man. Any time, man. Till next time. This has been another episode of Don't Be Coy with Uncle Lou. As always, I'd like to thank this episode's guest for a great conversation, as well as thank you, the listener, for joining in. Whether you're a first-time listener or a regular, I always appreciate your support. If you like today's episode and ever want to listen to more, subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And to join our community and access future bonus content, be sure to visit dbkpodcast.com.